amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Kalmbach Beads. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today. Uh, It is August 31st. I can't believe we're almost into September uh, but I'm ready for some fall weather. It's just been hot, hot, hot here in the southeast. Um, and want to reach out to everybody and say, hey, you know, if you're down in Florida like we are now, uh, I've got an event coming up, I believe, on the 19th. But uh, you're going to be kind of, I guess, on the west coast of Florida. You better batten down the hatches because you're going to get some heavy rain and wind uh, with this. Well, I think the last time I heard it, you know, um, tropical depression number nine or something like that but uh so uh, secure those coops in your backyard folks uh, your chickens depend on you for just about everything so uh 
batting down the hatches down there. I want to send a shout-out to all of our uh, listeners today. We've got the Holmes Concession for many of you, so we thank you very much for uh, utilizing this show and incorporating it into your uh, homeschool curriculum. We thank you for doing that. Um, everybody who listens to the live show every day, thank you very much for tuning in. The thousands, and that's no exaggerations, thousands of you that listen to the archive show once it uh, is archived into a, a podcast, we thank you for tuning in. The over-the-road truck drivers, I saw a lot of you on the road here this month. Uh, we were on our southeast fall tour. We had three events in Georgia, one in Tennessee, and then three more over in South Carolina. And uh, we had a great time. We had a gr- great turnout at every single event. Uh, met a lot of the feed and seed uh, owners that were sponsoring it. Um, they provided some great food for our events and uh, really did the, their legwork. To, to make sure we had good attendance. And uh, it was fabulous. I met a lot of my fans. Uh, wow, this, this particular, I guess being a, a Georgia boy and being down here in, in the uh, South, it was uh, kind of my home turf, if you will. So I uh, met a lot of great fans and, and listeners of the show. So that's pretty awesome. Um, uh, let's see what's going on. So we got that tour out of the way, which was awesome. And then we've got an event coming up, uh, it's either the 19th or the 20th over on the east coast of florida um i don't believe that is yet on my website it it might already be on my website you'll have to check that out my wife handles that for me (laughs) i don't remember getting the memo that it was up but it it may already be up there uh and that's going to be a great event and it's uh over on the uh east coast i'll get you all that information on our facebook page Uh, so if you're in the area you can come by they i saw uh, on facebook the store and they were asking folks to, you know, come on out. But let me know if you're coming out because we're providing food for everybody. And they rented, I think, 104 chairs. I don't, I don't understand the extra four, <laughs> but 104 chairs to be exact. And they want to fill them all for this event. And uh, that's a lot of food. And it sounded like it was some great food. They were even had a survey on their Facebook page. You know, do you want? chicken <laughs> so, or do you want I think there was salad and something else salad sandwiches maybe and I think by the overwhelming majority pizza ruled out even over I think I voted for chicken just <laughs> just to vote for chicken but uh, it should be a great event it's about two hours we do a workshop on raising backyard poultry and then we do the book signing autographs and pictures so Looking forward to that event coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's the 19th or the 20th of September, so we've got that going on. And I want to update you on this, uh, the I guess, the update on the salmonella outbreak that is currently occurring. We're right in the middle of this, and uh, it is currently uh, the largest salmonella outbreak directly related to backyard poultry in the history of this country, my understanding, and uh, both because of the number of confirmed cases and the number of different outbreaks we've got right now, and probably uh, the number of different strains of salmonella they have they have found in their investigation with the CDC. Uh, as you know, last year, this is like the 14th year in a row, 14th year in a row, we've had the, uh, the salmonella outbreak directly related or linked to the keeping of backyard poultry. And, of course, the movement gets bigger and bigger every year. And so we're seeing these outbreaks kind of expand and, and get larger uh, due to that. And um, last year was the first year the CDC failed to release 
the names of the hatcheries involved. First year that they had done that. We've beaten that dead horse. I'm I'm not going to go through it again. We have limited time today. Uh, But this year, uh, I uh, guess it was about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I submitted an official federal information, public information request, that's what it was, to the CDC. Uh, the last I heard and even talked to a real person, uh, it has been approved. They are gathering the information and will be sending it my way shortly. So, um, but it's, I've got a lot more information to gather uh, and to put together before I, if I choose to make that. And uh, we have come up and researched and investigated, and there's more information in this than just here are the hatcheries involved. Uh, there's a lot of loopholes that we found doing our investigation and trying to get this information and talking with folks, uh, both with MPIP, National Poultry Improvement Plan, um, and their um, who, who I work with, have a great relationship with MPIP, and Dr. Denise Brinson over there. Talked to her on the phone uh, last week. And, then, of course, a great relationship with the CDC. I've worked with them for over five years, and, and USD as well as our national spokesperson. But there's a lot of uh, loopholes here. There's a lot of information, misinformation um, that we'll cover. I'll be printing it all in the uh, winter issue of Chicken Whisper magazine, and we'll have it online. But one of my biggest pet peeves, let me go through this here, the the, the daily rant, if you want to call it. And even though I have a great relationship with CDC, I still ask them the hard questions. I'm your voice at CDC. I'm your voice at USDA. I'm your voice with MPIP. Um, and, and, And letting them know what I see and hear from you. So I, I, I approached the CDC, I did this last year too, but, but this year as well, more, more heavily, is that I really think it's unfair. In fact, uh, the fall issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine uh, and my letter from the editor, I go into this in a little more detail, but I told the CDC I really think it's unfair <laughs> that you um, link this only to backyard poultry. I mean, is that really accurate? Is it, is it really fair to do that? Let me explain what I'm talking about. In all the material you see, um, salmonella outbreak uh, linked to backyard poultry. And what's happening is I, I think we're getting uh, n- not a fair shake here, but we're getting kind of a <laughs> – yeah. okay, let me explain. Good intentions, and a lot of these are new poultry keepers. Some of them are experienced poultry keepers, and and some are educated on biosecurity and wanting to and needing and knowing having the information to do the right thing to protect their families from salmonella. But some are not; they are not. But we're not really getting a fair shake because we're receiving, if you want to call it tainted goods, we're receiving from the get-go chicks that already have the salmonella. So um, we're already not really getting a fair shape. Um, they're coming from the mail order hatcheries already with salmonella. Now, are, are backyard poultry keepers totally not to blame? Are they blameless? Of course not. Um, because even though we are receiving uh, these backyard chicks uh, from the mail order hatcheries, just two, three, four days old, um, we now have an issue where we're dealing with people kissing their chickens, they're hugging their chickens, they're putting these baby chicks in the pack and place with their kids, they're letting the kids nap with them, they're letting the kids play with them as if they were a toy, they're not washing up and washing their hands appropriately after they handle or clean out the brooder, they have the brooder in the kitchen, they have the brooder in the house, Um, and so they're not 
totally blameless regarding the outbreak, but at the same time, they're not totally getting a fair shake because we're, we're receiving the birds already infected with salmonella, but we still need to do our part to protect our families uh, by, by utilizing good biosecurity with our family. Now, um, with that said, um, going back to the CDC issue here is, uh, and I, this is my comparison. Uh, last year, last couple of years, when they had the listeria outbreak that was directly linked to, I believe it was bluebell ice cream. You, you didn't see in the news uh, listeria outbreak directly related to ice cream lovers. <laughs> no, you never heard that. Uh, I, the ice cream eater, uh, was not the one that was blamed. I wasn't tagged in this. Ooh, these ice cream eaters—they, uh, they've got listeria. That's you know, ice cream is is bad, or, or it's just so. But but in this particular case, salmonella outbreak directly to link to directly linked to or directly related to backyard poultry. Um, and I guess that's the end product that, that these these chicks are ending up in brooders that end up in our backyard. The people who are being confirmed are small-scale little backyard chicken keepers who are getting the salmonella, most of them young because they're playing with them and the parents aren't watching them and they're under five or, um, and, or they're not washing their hands, just really bad hygiene issues with, with taking care of, of the baby chicks. But we're already getting them with salmonella. So uh, so maybe, maybe, you know, we, we – the issue here, or you know, why, why aren't we calling this um, salmonella outbreak directly linked to mail order hatcheries? Uh, salmonella outbreak direct uh, linked to mail order hatcheries or backyard poultry hatcheries. But yes, again, I, I said the backyard folks are not blameless here because they could do a better job protecting themselves to limit uh, the spread and, and uh, limit receiving or getting uh, the salmonella uh, virus if they just would do some things that we recommend. So so it's very interesting. But, again, the hard question there I ask for all of you, all of our listeners and fans, to the CDC is why are we being not targeted, but why are you calling it this instead of, uh, again, salmonella outbreak directly linked to mail-order hatcheries because the, the, the chicks are coming from the hatcheries with the salmonella. So very interesting uh, regarding that. And uh, I'm going to give you another little tip here. Uh, which I am investigating, I'm covering, I'm interviewing, and we hope to have this printed in the winter issue, is that it's no secret, for a lot of people it may be, but there, it's no secret that many of the mill-order hatcheries outsource um, their your shipment. So you may order from hatchery XYZ, and they'll and you order from them. You order from their website. You call them. They say yes, we have these available. And then your chicks are, are drop shipped from Hatchery ABC. Uh, now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But when we look into and we investigate the um, NPIP, this brand new program called Salmonella Monitored, this is another big issue we're going to be dealing with here in the next couple of few months. Um, it's a brand new program, only a couple of years old, called Salmonella. Um, salmonella monitor, okay? And um, what it does is it checks. It's, it's very strenuous. And, and like five times, I guess five times a month, um, the, uh, they, they're checking, they're doing these tests, they're swabbing different things uh, for salmonella strains that can affect humans, okay? Salmonella monitor. Now, my understanding, Okay. My understanding, if you call the hatchery up that you plan to order from, say, hey, do you uh, participate in MPIP? 
most of them probably do. Yes, we're MPIP, and at that point, people are like, okay, I want to order from you. But there's many different levels of MPIP, and uh, they may participate in many different levels, from testing for a lot of different stuff to not testing for not so much stuff. Uh, but th th that's just the catchphrase. MPIP, yes, I'm ordering from you. Um, and then the other confusion, which we've got to work on and do a better job at, I think, at USDA and, and MPIP, is that um, – well, well now I was told to ask, uh, do you participate, I mean, do you check for salmonella? Uh, well, yes, we do. We do. We, we, as MPIP, we are definitely checked our birds for salmonella. But salmonella monitored or just the salmonella pylorum, which is, I think, pretty much uh, at least the minimum uh, of, of what they're going to check for. So, so you may even get the answer, yes, our, our birds are salmonella clean according to MPIP or participate in MPAP. But then when you ask, but salmonella monitored, where you're checking for the human strains of salmonella that I can get. I can't get salmonella for them, but all these other salmonellas that, that I can that can affect me. Um, you need to ask that. Now, now, here, here's where the, the hole gets deeper. And we're investigating. We're trying to, you know, open this up, get, get explanation. If the hatchery you're ordering from says, why, absolutely, we uh, are... Uh, participate in the MPIP Salmonella Monitor Program, but they're still outsourcing daughter from another hatchery, and that hatchery may not be participating in the Salmonella Monitor Program, even though they just told you they were, and they're not lying, they are, but the hatchery they're outsourcing from, drop shipping your baby chicks from, coming to you, may not be See, this is like, wow. So it's all this information, and I'm doing all this legwork for you. Man, I'm neck deep in this stuff. And there's even more information I, I'm going to try to uh, uh, open up here and, and share with you over the next few months. But that's what I've been working on. I've been so busy with this. You've got USDA involved. You've got CDC involved. You've got the hatcheries involved. You've got MPIT involved. Um, you've got the, you know, the states involved because they do a lot of the research when there's an outbreak. Holy cow, neck deep in this thousands of notes, <laughs> trying to keep it all straight, interviews, but I'm working on that for you guys, and uh, we'll have a whole write-up, I'm hoping, in the winter issue of Chicken Whisperer Magazine from CDC, USDA, MPIB, and we're going to take this huge topic and then break it into smaller topics for the magazine, um, and, and I'm sure part of it's going to be, what do you need to know when you order chicks online from the mail-order hatcheries? What questions are important to ask? So, uh, woo, it's awesome, and uh, I'm all over it. You can tell by my voice. I get excited about it. I'm passionate about it because I want to get you the right information. And a lot of this, man, we're going to be opening up a can of worms possibly. And i got a lot of uh, hatchery sponsors. You know, we got Ideal Poultry. Love them. They with me from the beginning. And, and we'll be interviewing some of them, getting their two cents worth on this um, as soon as we get the hatcheries named that have been involved or, or named in, in the outbreak. This is not to bash the hatcheries whatsoever. I think our goal at the end of the day is to give the public, you, our fans, information, uh, enough information to educate you on the questions we feel you need to ask uh, when you order those mail-order uh, chicks. So I think that's very important. So that's what we're working on now. Holy cow, it's awesome. And uh, we'll get back to you. Hey, we're going to go to our first commercial break. When we come back, we've got a fabulous show today. We've got um, John. Um, let's see if I can pronounce this right. I'm pretty sure I can. Um, uh, Brunquil. And he's the founder of Egg Innovations, the largest producer of pasture-raised eggs in the United States, his, his group of farms there. So we've got questions for him. We want to learn all about this. I, I've done specials on TV before, actually, about what do all these egg labels mean and, and, and kind of the, the – 
that gets tricky too, right? So uh, we're going to be talking to the man when it comes to this today, um, John uh, Brunkle, and he's going to be telling us uh, all about this and his uh, company, Egg uh, Innovations, and uh, talking about how they're raised and, and raised humanely and how they participate and get certified from some of these humane organizations, all of that stuff. Stay with us. Uh, exciting show. We'll be back right after this short break from our sponsor. Stay with us. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The 1.5 horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two 8 pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whiskey by uh, Kalmbach Beads. And, again, we got a great show lined up for you today, and uh, we're going to get right over here to the phone lines. And I was waiting for an email. I've got a couple of people that have called in, so it's just going to be uh, – I've got a 50-50 uh, choice here. I'm going to go ahead and see. I've got two numbers that have called in on this particular switchboard, and one of them is John, and the other is someone who's calling in to listen. So I'm just going to go ahead and pick the first one here and see if this one uh, might be John Caller from Area code 559. Is this John today? Okay, hang on one sec, man. Let me go over to the other one. 50-50, you know how that works. Uh, caller calling in from area code 574. Is this John? Yes, it is. 
Hey, there we go. All righty, good. I had a, a different area codes there. People calling in, and sometimes they call in just to listen. And uh, I didn't get the, uh, the, the the area code that you were calling in from, John. Hey, thank you very much for joining us today. It's exciting to have you on. I apologize we couldn't make this happen last week. I was on the road and and uh, just getting settled now where we can bring you bring you live. So the founder of uh, Egg Innovations, uh, my understanding, the largest uh, producer. Uh, pastured uh, and uh, free-range eggs in the United States. And why don't we first talk, and I'm going to go over to your website, and, um, and when you're done, we'll, we'll talk about that, your, your, your uh, uh, whole program and your production and uh, what, what the folks and your customers and the even future customers want to know. But tell us a little bit about yourself, John, and then a little bit, kind of an overview, uh, about your company. Well, first, Andy, it's a truly a pleasure to be on the phone here today and have a chance to talk to you and your, your listeners. Um, I'm a third-generation family farm, grew up on a homestead that was bought by my grandfather in 1913, went wow. to college back in the last millennium, as my uh, young children remind me, and uh, <laughs> came back to a small uh, caged operation, about 7,000 chickens in cages and you know, I took about two years to try and figure out what do I want to do because my father, like uh, I think all good farm fathers, said, welcome back to the farm, now figure out how you're going to get paid. And so I took the, the egg business, and this was back in the mid-'80s, and specialty eggs didn't exist. And so I started out in 1987, and I really focused on nutrition, so I have patents from a land-grant university on cholesterol reduction and fat reduction, and uh, back in the 80s, cholesterol was a big issue. But then as time has evolved, looking back over the last 30 years, uh, you know, my story is one of a journey, and we started really looking at animal welfare and behavior in the early 90s, um, because I was I was trained on cages. You know, I, I had a father who was who grew up in that world. I did 4-H for 10 years. I, I went to a land-grant university, and, and, and I could espouse all the virtues of cages. And then I walked into my first cage-free barn about 25 years ago, and I said, gosh, there's just no way you can tell me that this is a worse lifestyle. And so uh-huh. we began a very exploratory process, and we started looking at, you know, getting them out of cages, then putting perches in, then letting the birds outside, and then how do you encourage them outside? And, and so to, to kind of bring it to a capstone, what, what uh, I'm now actually a, uh, pursuing my, my doctorate in avianthology, which is bird behavior. And uh, so there's wow. a very small, small group of people of us that study that. And our company, Egg Innovations, what we focus on is, is two really strong fundamental core values. One is we want to see another generation of farmers farming. And number two is we are passionate about the welfare of chickens. Well, that's great. So they're, they're actually, uh, though small, like you were talking about, a, a Ph.D. program on behavioral health for poultry. That's awesome. Correct. Yeah. So I'm, I'm studying things like uh, when a bird goes outside, how long does it stay outside, and what causes it to want to go outside, and why do some birds go outside all the time and some birds don't go out at all, and and this kind of research has never been done in a commercial setting. There's been a fair amount of research in a, like a laboratory or a university setting, 
but we're uniquely positioned to look at this with with flocks of 20,000 birds on pasture. So you you at the end of the day, to be honest with you, you because I hear it all the time. Oh, my backyard poultry that my birds—they are so happy. But you're really gonna—you're studying if the chicken can really be happy and what makes them happy. You know what? What we look at, what we truly believe, is that the good Lord put animals on this earth with specific behaviors, whether it's a a cow, a steer, a horse, a chicken. In the case of a chicken, it has it just simply has native behaviors, whether it's dust bathing, perching, scratching, foraging, socializing. And when you create an environment that's consistent with the way the good Lord designed that animal, we find just outstanding things happen in health and production. So yeah, we, we you know, we see a correlation between taking care of the animal and having it being happier. You know, we see that a lot. People say happy hens lay happy eggs, or my the happy hens lay more eggs, and and um, you're we're gonna we, it sounds like we're gonna be figuring that out through through your studies, which is awesome. Some of the things on your website, um, you know, America's largest originator of 100% free range and pasture raised eggs, and we talk about let me little another box that popped up here um, that you're you're growing, you're certified. Um, to Humane Farm Animal Care's highest standards and animal animal welfare. I've met a lot of these these groups, and, and this means that um, all of your um, production uh, and even the farms that, that, that you manage and your own that fall into this uh, have certain criteria. So they have to have, uh, I guess it's like so much space per bird, and so uh, a, a lot of these, what folks say, more humane humane treatments. Tell us just a little bit about uh, participating in, the, in their program, what that really means at the end of the day, and then how we as the consumer, when we're in the grocery store, know. I, I found it fascinating when I mentioned that about how many people don't even know to look or don't even know these companies really exist, but when you go and look, once you find out and you look at the packaging, you're like, hey, there's their um, logo right there. So I know by buying this product that, that, that the hens that laid these eggs um, you can go to their website and look up exactly the, the environment that you have to provide to have that logo on your cart. So to, and tell us a little bit about that and, again, why you think it's important to participate in that. You know, we market our eggs under Blue Sky Family Farms, and what we always talk about is ethical eggs for the humane race. And, you know, we use phrases inside the company like, if there's guilt by association, there's credibility by affiliation. And, and so we're very passionate, we believe very strongly in third-party certifications because a lot of colleagues in the industry, uh, you know, they, may, they, they make a claim on a carton, but they don't have anyone validate it. And unfortunately, over time, you know, there's been some misrepresentations out there. And so we tend to believe that in the commercial world, if you're going to claim free range or pasture or whatever you're going to claim – you should be very comfortable having somebody come in and, and audit and validate that you're you're truly doing that so that consumers can get that confidence. And so we follow, there's, there's two major animal welfare certifiers in the nation. One is the American Humane Association. The other is Humane Farmed Animal Care. And they're very uh, prescriptive. So they'll tell us so many inches of perch space per bird or so many birds per a nest box or so many square feet per bird outside but they aren't 
quite exactly the same. And so what we do at Egg Innovations is we take the the highest standard of either of them on a parameter. So let's say one says you need uh, four inches of feeder space per bird, another one says five, then we'll do five. And so we take the highest standard of every certifier, and that becomes the egg innovation standard. Awesome. And just so our listeners know, we're talking about layers, um, not uh, broilers or, or meat birds. This is strictly on uh, egg innovations being the name, obviously. But just to make that clear for folks, we're talking about egg-laying hens. Let me ask you this before I forget. what was on my list earlier. Um, I am a big Isa Brown fan. I mean, if people aren't going to get into the heritage breeds, or, or, or uh, everybody has their own reason why they have their particular chickens, whether it be egg color or the different egg colors of the uh, plumage or whatever the case may be, uh, just regarding egg production and uh, Isa Browns. I've had experience with those. Um, I, I like those birds for many different reasons. I met one of the developed, I know that everybody, yeah, Hubbard and all these others, but um, when I was at the International Poultry Expo um, in Atlanta, I met one of the developers of this bird. It was a wonderful day for me because it was great interviewing him. And um, I think I, at least at one point, the Isa Brown was, or produced, um, 60% of the brown eggs you see in the store, regardless of all the certifications and this, that, and the other, but 60% of them. Uh, are you at liberty to share what breed chicken that y'all really like to have? I'm guessing it's a sex link like an Isa Brown, but I don't know if you, know, if you are at liberty to share what, what, y'all, what hens y'all like to have. <laughs> well, and, no, and it's a very fair question. And, and to, to be honest, we're using the same strains that the, the people in the cages use. So there's, mm-hmm. there's really you know, only two or three, as you know, major breeding companies uh, that are available you know, for larger volumes of birds. And so we, we do have right. ISAs, but we have probably four or five different strains of brown birds, whether it's a Highland Brown and ISA. Uh, and then the same on the white side, we, you know, we'll have the, the Babcock, the Shaver, the, the Highline. And we like to have a little bit of everything. I have, I have 60 producers in five different states. And you know, mm-hmm. we like to have a little bit of each strain out there each year because, as you know, an ISA this year and an ISA next year are not the same bird. And, and so we like okay. to just keep an eye on how the different you know, companies are, are developing their birds and you know, we're looking at things not only from a production and a performance point of view, but we're also looking at welfare things like feather retention, which in the commercial mm-hmm. world, you know, that wasn't as critical uh, 10 years ago when everything was in cages. Mm-hmm. How um, – I've got a, just a ton of questions for you, and because I know these are – our listeners are at home going, oh, I, wish, I hope – Chicken Whisper asked them this, or I hope them, they, they ask them that. So um, – Based on that as well, um, I noticed from some of the pictures, and, and I harp on people because they always get on the soapbox or, you know, for whatever reason, or they say, ah, de-beak, de-beak, and it's not, that's not accurate. It's not de-beaking. It's beak trimming uh, for folks at home. And I noticed some of the pictures look like the birds were beak trimmed, and now I have some sense with that because you're, you're getting the birds from some of the same places that supply the commercial birds for, say, the caged uh, layers, and so that's probably why I'm, I'm going to assume here you got them beak trimmed but in that setting with the pasture raised do you find that um 
that that still is necessary? I mean, we know why they do it for the cage birds, but or is that just something, hey, they are because of where we're actually getting them? Or do you all see a science involved? And even in the pasture raised, we still see value in, in that procedure. You know, we we do a lot of research in our own company on the the issues that are classically asked by people in the egg industry. What happens to the male birds? What happens when birds are done with the laying cycle? What happens with the beaks? And and so, you know, we, we try and remove the emotion and break it down into the, the practical. So, you know, right. without a beak trim, the, the bird's going to have a native hook on the front of the beak. And mm-hmm. and in a cage-free environment, all of our flocks are 20,000 chickens. And, and there is a tendency at times, not always, for some birds to be aggressive on others. And so we, we're in an evolution. So 10 years ago, we used to beak trim with what was called a, a hot blade at about seven days old. Now we're doing a laser at the hatchery on day old. And next year, we're going to do our first flock of no beak trimming at all in a pasture mm-hmm. setting. And, and um, we, we believe we're going to be fine, but you know, until you do it, you don't know, but clearly by getting them out on pasture, getting them spread around, um, we believe there's a lower probability than if you have them in confined environments like cage-free. Absolutely, 100%. And it's just like that's it, that's their bird's behavior. I know they try to breed a lot of that out, uh, interviewing the, the gentleman I did with the, the Isa Brown and, and, and kind of developing that and, and um primarily, again, for cage cage raising, so they try to breed that aggressiveness out. But that's, that's like you said, the way the good Lord put the bird down here is that they have that trait sometimes, and that's why over the time they've, they've through science, figured out that, that that may help in the long run. Um, I noticed here some of the Q&A on your website, like what is an organic egg? Now, just so folks know, and you have it as organic eggs, are produced by free-range chickens that are fed certified organic feed. This means that there have not been any chemicals, herbicides, pesticides sprayed on the feed that comes from uh, fields where their grain is produced. And the eggs are certified organic by uh, Quality Certification Services, Q- QCS. Now, um, just our listeners know and can get educated on this, um, you can have a cage-free or a caged or a free-range or a pasture-raised, all of those can be organic eggs labeled in the store um, just because at the end of the day, it just means they're being fed organic feed, regardless of the humane conditions or their raising conditions. Am I correct on that? It's just it's, at the end of the day, you're, you're, uh, they can use it. <laughs> you're hitting but, one, of the, uh, one of the big controversies in the industry. Um, you can't do caged and organic, but they clearly... Uh, there is a very clear split in the industry, almost 50-50, where half of the organic eggs produced in the United States, those birds never get outside on soil. And so they, that they, is, they still allowed. And so okay, there is a now, new rule. I'm sorry, go on. No, no, please. And that, that's, we can educate our listeners to there. So, because um, we've done this labeling a bunch for TV, and so you have that label on the egg carton at the store, free range. And again, our understanding is that means they're enclosed in, in this long barn with 
quote-unquote access to the outside, which again you hear may be a concrete pad with a fence around it. And then if the bird happens to choose to go outside or not, but they can still label it free range. So that's, and then they can have organic feed, so they can be considered, hey, these are organic. And they're free range, but like we always see free range people just think about the green pastures and the daisies and the red barns and things like that, not as you and I know, um, free range. So um, I was just, I just wanted to let our listeners know about the, the, the organic feed at the end of the day is the major difference, but you can't get an organic egg from a caged raised layer. Is that what Correct. I understood so you, you to still, say? You still can get probably half the organic eggs produced in the United States are from birds that never get outside on the ground. Right. And, and gotcha. so a consumer, if they're, you know, if, if that's a uh, concern of theirs, they really do need to see the words free range with a third party certifier in conjunction with organic. Uh, otherwise, Got they're it. going to be assumed to be confined. Okay. And I think slowly but surely people are starting to understand and get educated on the difference of free range and pasture raised. And so I, I even think I explained to the backyard folks, um, you know, they have a quarter acre with a little run and, and, and I still not in my opinion, don't really believe that would be considered pasture-raised. You may have some backyard eggs there, um, but, but pasture-raised, again, strictly, um, I guess, out on, on pasture. Versus, to use that label, is, is it, like I said, like we talked about earlier, all these label um, loopholes, if I see a, a, a label, and it may not even be regulated through, through the feds, but if I see pasture-raised on an egg cart today, is there any government control over using that and you can explain that and um and what what that really means there isn't a a clear government regulation on pasture so we fall back on the certifiers and here the two major certifiers are very um in lockstep so a pastured bird and and i'll use my example so i have i have twenty thousand birds on a pastured farm but they're on 50 acres of pasture And, and they get 108 square feet for each individual bird on that pasture. Okay. And then we do all sorts of things in the pasture, whether it's trees or shade or water, to strongly encourage the birds to move out. And, and we see birds traveling out as many as 1,500 feet away from the building. Mm-hmm. We'll still bring them in the building at night for protection. But Predators, when, right? you do it cor- when you do it correctly, the minute we open those doors, those birds flood outside. Mm-hmm. They're looking forward to getting out there on pasture, and um, so this is a great question too. So they're out there on pasture, they're scratching around, and they're going to eat bugs and insects and grass and and just about anything else we know that chickens are going to try to find and eat. Um, but in that case, they can still be certified organic, even though all those bugs and seeds and things, does that pasture then have to be certified organic, organic grass, no pesticides, herbicides, anything like that? Not just the feed that you may be supplementing back in the barn, but that pasture um, to be able to use organic on the label, because I guess we don't know the bug or bugs considered organic. I I can't answer that. So how how does that come into play as well? Because we know that when they're out on pasture, they're happy, they're doing what they do, scratching for bugs and insects and little weed seeds and all that. How does that play into being able to be labeled organic? So, yes, the pasture does need to be certified. And the minimum standard for certification is 
three years of no synthetic compounds of any kind in any manner. And mm-hmm. and most of our farms are, are way beyond that. But, you know, so if I have a new farmer and he's converting a, a hay field and last year he put some insecticide on, he will have to wait mm-hmm. at least three years before we can certify that facility. Got it. Yeah, I was wondering how kind of all all of that worked, uh, how that worked as well. Have you done any tests, too? I've only got maybe five or ten minutes with you. This is fascinating, and I love it. Um, Prince, let's say you just go in and you look, hey, eggs, 99 cents a dozen, just whatever's there at the, at the uh, grocery store. And then your product, has there been done? T- I know a while back, and everybody refers to it. There was one, I think, with... Um, Mother Earth News, and it was just kind of comparing. We didn't compare it; just well, I guess showed the uh, nutritional value of of the egg. Um, have y'all done studies based on your? We'll just keep it simple: your pasture-raised birds and the and the nutrition of that egg versus just another old-fashioned white egg, ninety-nine cents a dozen, say at the store. Um, and uh, is there, have y'all done anything to, to show that? And then if, if, if so, if I open up the package and look at the, the I guess, what is it, the FDA food, you know, specs, is that standard across the – so when I open up that just regular egg and then your box of eggs, is that stamp or, or all those, you know, the amount of this, the amount of that, um, standard across the board – for all the eggs, regardless of how they're raised, or would yours show a little bit better things? Um, so I know, I know, you know, I'm asking. Or have y'all done the test to show that your the pasture rates may be more uh, healthy egg for the consumer? So the the label that we see inside the carton that says cholesterol, fat, uh, vitamins, and, and minerals, that is standardized across the industry, regardless of egg type and to to develop your own on a commercial basis is, is very expensive. So mm-hmm. even though we see differences in the pasture world, it's, mm-hmm. it's very prohibitive to develop a, a distinct label. But the biggest thing we, we see that's very clear in the pasture world is because they're getting so much more vegetation in their diet, you'll typically see a much deeper uh, yolk color mm-hmm. because the pigment will transfer from that green vegetation back into their egg yolk. So that's a, a lot of times, yeah, people will see that when they first get, say, backyard chickens, and, and they're out a few hours a day when they get home, and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, what's this is so that deep uh, orange, uh, deep yellow color versus that pale yellow that we see. So I, I never, I guess, really uh, thought about that, but I'm just assuming that all those little generic labels about nutrition be the same regardless but um, but at the end of the day, and it's interesting how folks. Now, what, what's your? We explain this too when when we see that label that says raised without added hormones, and uh, I completely get the marketing aspect of that because everybody just I want all this good food for my family. But at the same time, we know, and I think to know that it hormones have not been used in the raising of poultry or hogs in, I think, since the 50s. So part of me, when I'm, when I'm doing my lectures and things on this, I'm like, on this topic, I'll say, you know, you'll see the label that says raised without hormones. Well, 
Yeah, because they can't legally use them. So initially, the companies the companies just basically saying, uh, you know, cheerleading. Hey, we're abiding by the law. <laughs> we're not really doing anything different or special, but we're just hey, the law says we can't use this, and, and we're telling you that. So so we understand that. But let's get into a little bit more of the uh, of the labeling. We got the the. No added hormones, which you know nobody can use anyway by federal law. Um, but we know there's natural hormones, just no no added uh, hormones. And then I guess we have, um, you're not going to say caged birds on, on the eggs. No one's going to use that label. But, but, uh, right? No one's going to say that. These are from caged birds. But we'll have cage-free. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, those are still raised in in a in the barn, they they don't have access to outside. They're just however many, um, and then they're just laying on. And anyway, so we have that uh, issue. Then we have the free range, which access to outdoors, and then we got the the pasture raised. And it sounds like you guys concentrate again. I guess my next question would: Are all your pasture raised labeled eggs and your free range labeled eggs? They all participate. All your farms in those states that, that participate fall under this the, the um, animal care. Um, they're certified humane, correct? Regardless if they're pasture raised labeled or free range labeled. Correct. We 100% of all of our flocks are subject to and uh, meet or exceed all third party certifications on animal welfare. Perfect. That's that's awesome as well. I'm trying to think of some other questions I had. I'm going to, I think, or write down a couple because I know you're very busy and need to run here in the next few minutes. But um, you may have had a kind of an outline or some specifics I just didn't ask or think of that you would like to share uh, about your company, um, the consumer, uh, our listeners. And, and I think that for a lot of people, even backyard chicken keepers, uh, we'll, we'll just say in the wintertime, uh, the, the, they slow down with their laying due to temperature, mainly because of the short days, not getting 16 hours of light, da 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 da, da. And um, there may be a time where even these folks that love their backyard eggs, they'll have a tendency to need to go buy some eggs. So I guess at the end of the day, you would like these folks to know that, you know, um, minus your – Minus the eggs from your backyard, you know, you're, you know what's going into your chickens. You hope you know what's coming out of your chickens. Um, you feel like for these folks, minus the ones from your back may be the next best thing uh, to what you're already getting from your backyard through egg innovations, correct? Sure. Let me, let me make a couple comments and uh, do kind of a catch-all. You know, when you know the first one you ask the things that we we notice and see out there in the industry, and one of the things we see in uh, consumer research, and and you you hit it pretty clear, there is still a big confusion of the term cage free because right now that's the latest buzzword going through all of the industry, and right. about seventy percent of the consumers we talk to believe that cage free birds go outside, and mm-hmm. yep. and that's clearly not the intent of the people doing cage-free. They still are going to confine them inside of four walls. And and so that's one that we still see an educational opportunity on by the industry. The next one that's very interesting is, is this whole progression of animal welfare and, and what we have noticed, and, and we clearly see a linkage to millennials. Um, you know, the, the people under 35 years old are clearly – driving the marketplace, whether it's backyard flocks, uh, 
farm markets in the countryside or in the small towns or you know equally in the commercial side of they really are having a huge impact on on how we raise animals which is nothing but good and and then I, I put a note so he said well if they run short of eggs what to buy of course i'm going to tell you blue sky family farms third party certified all the birds go outside and and really all we did is we you know we we have various taglines in our company and I would tell a, you know, because I'm an old 4-H teacher, and I would tell a farmer or a, an enthusiast to follow the same rule that we do, which is simply let the chicken be a chicken. You know, let it forage, let it scratch, let it dust bathe, let it socialize, give it a perch at night that it can jump up on. And and when you do these things, and we, and we follow simple phrases like we use the word flaws for, you know, feed, light, air, water, and space. When you when you keep it's pretty simple with the with the backyard birds or even on a commercial setting this bird just does an amazing thing yeah that's uh also, i just came across my notes another question i was going to ask and thank you so much for for sharing all that because people are looking so okay guy first time in two years i've had to go and buy actually two questions i, I remembered to um uh, ask you one was i guess uh, turnover so so you've got 20,000 birds out there on pasture. Uh, and I know at the end of the day, you know, you want to make a living. You put your kids to college. You've got farms that have children, and they, you know, and, and uh, wanting to, to earn a living. But, you know, we always hear, and for years, you always hear the media when talking about this is, a, oh, every two years, every two years, turnover, every two years. And, and it's not that they just magically on their second birthday say, I'm not laying another egg, sorry. Um, we know that it slows down, and for large producers, it slows down enough to see a difference in the bottom line. So do you see a difference in uh, turnover um, between caged, cage-free, free-range, and pasture raised, meaning are we having to turn the flocks over faster with caged? Are, are, are any of those labels, or are we seeing that, hey, we're, we're doing better with the humane treatment, we're doing better with these birds, we've got happy chickens, and you know what, because of that, we don't have to turn them over every two years. Maybe we're getting two and a half or three or, you know, uh, is that, I, I know I guess that question makes sense. Are you all seeing any of that? Has research been done on that versus these four or five labels based on how often we're having to turn this flock over when they start slowing with their laying to not make it, say, profitable? You know, we, we at Egg Innovations, we take a very contrarian view to most of our, our colleagues in the egg industry. Um, mo- most of them are, are paranoid about letting birds outside, and, and clearly we embrace it. And, you know, there, there's a big fancy word called anthropomorphism, which is assigning human feelings to, to animals. And back when I was in college the first time, they said that was, that was totally taboo. And, and now we actually do understand that animals have emotions. They know what fear is. And, 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 and so what I do is I, when I get into those discussions, I try and relate it to people. And, and you know, I'll tell you two stories. One, one is when we talk about letting birds outside, is that good for them? Do they live longer, et cetera? I always go back to people who have kids, and I say, you know, if you let your kids go outside and rough and tumble and play and, and have a good time, are they going to be healthier than if you kept them confined in the house for 20 years 
and they never had an opportunity to exercise and 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 go out and exercise you know use their muscles and and be healthy and and clearly i don't think too many parents would like to confine their children inside but in the egg industry we we find that acceptable and mm-hmm. and our our true belief is the more you let a bird exercise the all sorts of great things happen to its physiology it has better blood flow the muscle development is better and all that just translates to a to a healthier animal where most of our people in the industry will tell you that letting them outside is highly risky, that they're going to get all sorts of disease. The other thing I always find ironic is, you know, when I make the association to the human side, in, in humans, if, we're, if, if you get in trouble, we incarcerate you and we put you in a, in a jail, and someone would argue that that's a cage. And when we want you to have optimal behavior, we let you go out and chop, and, and the analogy would be, free range or, or pasture. However, in the egg industry, we reverse those and say it's optimal to confine the birds, and it's negative to let them engage in, in behavior. And I've always found that to be an intriguing disconnect, that we, we view ourselves in one light, but we view, view the animals under our care in a different light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. It's like, you know, what what would you, yeah, comparing the two, I guess, kind of makes sense and the science that, that we're getting now is like we've never gotten before even again with poultry and and you getting your uh, phd last question here um because people I, I always harp on this um as backyard poultry keepers our i think our biggest responsibility if not one of the top two is to keep our flock safe from predators um and is there anything y'all do when they're out on pasture, or do y'all just say, hey, you know, because I tell folks, look, if you're going to free range uh, and you want to free range 200 birds, you better buy 300 because eventually you'll have 200. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a little bit for you, I get it, but but just to let them know so they can at least expect it. So I guess y'all have that built in, but again, do y'all do anything for that? Y'all, y'all just, okay, we're going to lose some to predators. We know that um, the benefits out weigh the risks, and then now with hawks and different things or ground predators and whatnot. Have y'all done the research to say, okay, a flock of 20,000, we might lose, uh, uh, I don't know, 1,000 in a year, 500? I mean, is the number huge? Is it not huge? Do y'all even track that? Um, and some people say, hey, you know, that's 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 the, you know, uh, coyotes got to eat too, or, you know, the hawks got to eat too. This is uh, uh, the life cycle. Um, and, and, of course, we know we see the benefit in that. But do you all do anything to, to, to deal with predators? Or just just, hey, that is the way the earth runs, and we don't lose uh, enough at the end of the day to consider doing anything regarding that? You know, we, we get that question quite often. All of our mm-hmm. pastures are surrounded by a 54-inch wire fence. And okay. that is sufficient that I'm not going to have any predator mammals that are going to jump over the fence. You know, coyote can't jump that high. The And then all the birds at night, we, we keep them inside the building, and so I, I've blocked off any nighttime predators. And right. when, we, when we talk about birds of prey, you know, we monitor it closely, but we just don't see it. And our belief is, and I, this I don't have science behind, but I think if there's one chicken out in a pasture and there's a hawk, that might look pretty tasty. But when there's 5,000 out there, uh, we, we don't know if that's a little intimidating. 
but we, we simply, mm-hmm. across all of our farms and all of our states, we do not see any significant mortality, and I'm talking in the aggregate of 60 farms, we might lose 100 birds a year across everybody. So it's just that the fencing and keeping them in at night has been highly effective, and we just we we monitor the raptor world, the you know the hawks, the owls, whatever, but we just haven't seen it in any significant quantity. That's awesome. I had to ask that question. Yeah, and I've got others, but I know you got to go. It's three o'clock and uh, Eastern. But um, the, what we need to look for when we go into the stores, people who are interested, they love what they heard today, uh, and they're like, "Hey, when I need to buy eggs, this sounds like the eggs I need to be buying um, because." That's important to me. That's why I have my backyard chickens. But let's face it, I've got guests coming. Uh, they slow down. They're molting. Whatever. I've got to. I've got to go buy eggs. So, so they're looking. Um, is there? A, I'm at your website now. I'm, I'm going to assume that um, there's a place to. Well, first off, it's the Blue um, Sky label. That's what we're looking for. Blue Sky Family Farms uh, package. Um, for the free range, I'm looking at the package now. Uh, it's certified humane, the USDA organic. It's got all those um, the, the um, logos on there for that. Is there a place on your website, I just haven't come across it yet, where I can put in my zip code or figure out where I can purchase your products? You know, there there should be, and, and I, to be honest with you, without it in front of me, I, I couldn't pinpoint you on it. But I would tell you, you know, we're we're in the Kroger's, we're in the Whole Foods, you know, we're 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 in a lot of the major retailers, and if we're not where you want, consumers have incredible power. And mm-hmm. you know, if you go walk into a dairy manager and say, "Hey, I've heard about Blue Sky Family Farms," um, that that is very impactful, and we will usually get a call saying, "Hey, we we're getting calls for your product." Um, but initially, you know, the two easy ones that come off the top of my head would be, you know, the Kroger's and the and the Whole Foods. I was looking at that. There is a place on the website when I clicked over to blueskyfamilyfarms.com. It's just where to find our eggs, and it's basically a map with all the little pins uh, where you can where you can find those. So, uh, uh, any. Um, yeah, I think we just want to concentrate on that one, the Blue Sky Family Farms. And your your website, eggnovations.com, so people can go over there and they can look at um, what it means, or they can find out who you're certified humane with, and then go to their website and then see all the requirements that you have to abide by to be able to even use those uh, labels. And uh, you can see some wonderful pictures of the hundreds and thousands of birds on, on pasture and, and really research this. So when you do, backyard folks, and listeners have to buy some eggs, um, and you want to try to buy them as close as you, I guess, can get them out of your backyard, this may be a route to uh, to go. John, thank you so much for joining us, taking time out of your busy day to come on the show and share uh, all about your company, Egg Innovations, and, and asking or answering, again, some of the tough questions. I think it's fascinating, and I just try to get some questions, and there's probably some out there that are going, don't go yet, I got, you should ask them this, and I'm thinking, yeah, there was something actually I thought was fascinating that I was going to ask, and I can't even remember it now, and one of those, which we'll have you back, I, I promise we'll have you back, and we'll, we'll address this, um, the old age um, question of, you know, well, if your bird's free range, they're going to have a lot more internal parasites than the ones in the cages, and so I was going to ask you that, I don't want to go down that 
poll now because uh, we're out of time. But, that, but that's something we can get back with because a lot of people, you, you hear the myths, the rumors, the stereotypes and, that, and from everybody, and you've been a wealth of information and good, accurate information. So, John, we would love to have you back uh, maybe even you know a couple of times a year because there's always questions that come up and going to the source is what we're all about here. So uh, any last comments or questions we didn't get to that you want to share before we let you go? Well, Andy, you know, first of all, thank you for inviting me, and, and yes, absolutely, I'd, I'd love to come back if uh, your listeners thought it was appropriate because we're avid supporters of, of hobbyists and, and backyard you know, enthusiasts, so if we can be a resource, we would love to chat with you again. Excellent. And I just remember the question, so I have to ask it because it is paramount to why we had you on. I think it's why you do what you do. And I, and I think because I've, I've been doing this, we've been broadcasting the show over a thousand episodes, eight or nine years now. And I've had so many different commercial farmers on at all aspects. And we've heard about the McDonald's and all these big companies and stuff, cage-free, cage-free. And we, we, we've kind of discussed that on today's episode. But at the end of the day, uh, John, um, and I, I ask this of everybody that comes on in your in that commercial setting, regardless of how they're raising their birds or, or meat or eggs. At the end of the day, from what you see and you experience every day in your position, do you think that it is? And this is a really loaded question. Do you think we can feed America? doing it your way. I'm not just asking, I've asked this question a bazillion times in the last nine years to so many people um, because you've got the folks that say yes, you've got the folks that say no, they have their, their biting points of why they can or can't when we're looking at however many eggs McDonald's. And I mean, if you just sit and it's fast, it's mind boggling. But do you think we could feed America raising chickens your way? I'm not, I'm not saying it's better, not better. What I'm just a very simple kind of keeping. Do you think we could, we could do that? You know, we could feed America as we do today by raising chickens the way you do it. Or will all? Do you personally think that? Why, yes, your way is better. We'll, we'll always have to do some of both to feed America. You know, the beauty about America is, is the capitalist approach. And and if if all of America wanted free range eggs. We could feed all of America with free-range eggs. We could figure out a way to do that if that's yeah, what. Yeah, we we will always meet the market. We have the resources, um, but you know, as always, the beauty about this country is free choice and people advocating for for what they believe in. But I have no concern at all that the egg industry would absolutely rise to the occasion and make sure everyone got fed if that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Got it. And I'm a big. I, I've got a great reputation on both the commercial side, the backyard side, everybody, and um, uh, that's a great answer, and um, I contribute that sometimes to when there'll be a group of folks or somebody will, um, and and I'm going to let you go, and I'll go in and talk about this, because I will talk about the the chicken truck riding down the road and how, you know, we we justify that in in America, but um, John, uh, thank you so much for joining us, founder of Egg Innovations. Visit their website, check them out, look for their products in the store, the Whole Foods, the Kroger's, and and some others as well, and then you can figure out what, what all those other certifications that that are important to them may be important to you as well. So, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. We will have you on again because I'm st- I got questions still popping up in my brain. So maybe towards um, maybe the first of the year we can have a beginning of 2017 show with you and and uh, cover even more information for our your consumers and my listeners. Thank you, my friend, and we'd love to come back. 
Great. Thank you so much, and uh, take care. And uh, we'll be back because I've got some more right after this short break from our sponsors. We'll be back. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. 
That's IdealPoultry.com. Alrighty, thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Great show today with John uh, Brunkel. Uh, absolutely awesome show, founder of Egg Innovations. And there were still so many questions I wanted to ask, so we've got to have them on maybe first of the year. Like I wanted to ask them uh, about the lighting, how they continue to get their flocks to lay throughout the winter when we have the short days. You know, they, science shows uh, around 16 hours of daylight per day to maintain egg production in the winter. So I wanted to ask them about that and about what kind of light they use uh, in their, their barns because even though they, they do the, the um, pasture raised, they come back for predator protection at night in, in the barns. And uh, well, what, what kind of light? How many hours of light do they use? And, and, and do they heat their coops in the winter um, at, at all? And if they do, why? And uh, feed questions, nutrition questions, and if they use any type of uh, extra um, uh, things to, to increase the omega fatty acids. Oh, geez, I've got a gazillion questions. So well, I will make sure that I put right here it's next to me my calendar for 2017, and I'll make sure John joins us again. Um, in the uh, beginning of the year in 2017, and because there's a gazillion more questions. And, I, and you know us, you've been listening to us long enough to know that we have the experts in their field on. So this, we're going right to the source uh, from these eggs that you're buying in the grocery store, or maybe you'll soon start buying in the grocery store now that John's been on uh, with Egg Innovations, uh, and, and you'll know what you're getting through this show, through the CEO, the founder of the company being on and telling us about what's important to him and why this is important for, for his family of, of farms uh, and then you so uh, still tons of questions uh, that are popping up in my head regarding this. These are questions that I know you, our listeners, have um, all the time. So I want to thank you for, for tuning in today to another great show. Uh, let me look at the calendar here. Um, uh, tomorrow is Thursday, special Wednesday show. We normally do Tuesdays, Thursdays, and, and wow, my travel schedule was tough, so we did a special Wednesday episode today. So glad I did. Uh, but tomorrow looks like it's the first. So we've got Dr. McCray, uh, poultry scientist, Ph.D., poultry professor. She'll be on tomorrow. I don't have a topic yet. Uh, I'll reach out to her. And um, well, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Looks like we'll be right here broadcasting live again with Dr. McRae. Uh, always fascinating when she comes on. Fact-based, science-based, study-based information right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. So I'm glad you tuned in today, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Calm Bok Feeds. Calm Bok. Calm Bok. Calm from our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H-Feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. So long, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.